John Barkley comes up to receive the trophy. This, for the Scarlet's fans, is simply great to watch. They were outplayed in the first half by a Tudor side that picked and win. The 1872 Cup back in Edinburgh hands. They've beaten Glasgow. The first team in 17 attempts to come to Dublin and get a win. How good is that for you? Oh, it's great. All I'm getting at the moment are players shouting, knock on, offside, tackle out the ball. We're in the wrong sport for that. The Zebo special gets it wide to Earls. And Earls from here means only one thing. The best stadium I've ever played in, the best atmosphere, the, the best supporters. Hopefully one day I'll be back. should of course apologise to any Munster fans listening. Uh, they'll have something to say about whether Leinster are going to be in the final as the Scarlets come again. Oh, brilliant offload. It's Brady with a stroll in under the sticks. Oh, look, it's, it's been a roller coaster um, here all my life. 47-10. Jeez, I thought I was in dreamland when we won the Pro 12. Phenomenal, phenomenal. So welcome back to the Outside Centres. Um, this week we're going to be looking at some of the Pro 14 uh, Week 4 roundup. Uh, looking at some of the interesting games, interesting results that we saw this week. Um, I think now we'll just crack on with the uh, Southern Kings versus Glasgow. Yeah, okay. Uh, not much to say about this. Um, I mean, I think everyone, it caught everyone off guard. It did, it did. Uh, I suppose the theme of the week is home advantage. The theme of the week is how all the home teams, uh, well, all apart from one, which you'll get to, did uh, particularly well and won their games. And um, to do that, I suppose, you have to upset people's expectations. And uh, Southern Kings did that when they beat Glasgow. And I'm just quoting from the London Times, the London <laughs> Times, who described Glasgow's performance as shambolic and to compare them to headless chickens was disrespectful to headless chickens. <laughs> um, the Kings went ahead very quickly. They went up to 29-0 yeah. very, very quickly. And then even went as far as to go 31-0 up yeah, after the, around the 15-minute mark. Yeah, around, the, around then. And then was the yellow card, of course, that saved uh, Glasgow. Well, put them on the yeah. scoreline. Yeah. And then, uh, I mean, I wouldn't want anybody to be confused by that scoreline. They were well beaten, 38-28. Oh, thoroughly. It was weird even seeing them at the end of that game still pushing for tries. I mean, once you consider the team then that much... It's odd to see them trying to score tries in the 80th minute. Um, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, uh, they they had their their bonus point at that point. They got anyway. it. Yeah. yeah. So I suppose it was just fighting for a bit of dignity. I suppose. Uh, yeah. David Rennie in an interview said it was the worst performance uh, on his watch. Now he did say that they bossed in terms of territory and possession. And actually, when you look at the stats, that was true. They had most of the territory. They had most of the possession, but their defence was terrible. Um, I, th- I think weirdly one of the things that I saw from watching the game was that uh, Kings beat Glasgow out wide which I mean if you look at Scottish yeah, rugby typically yeah. they're quite free flowing and mm. that was a, that was something that particularly caught me off guard I mean as they say as they say um, there's no substitute for speed so well yeah, was... I mean I suppose it's the wingers who are having the best time on Instagram exactly. I suppose yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. this is it isn't it <laughs> showing off the beach bods on an actual beach which yeah, you don't get much yeah, of a chance yeah. to do in Scotland at this time of year but it's quite the turnaround from what Glasgow had last week and I think I think the cheetahs are still having a bit of a hangover from that game I mean after all, we were talking about home field, uh, home advantage. Ulster didn't uh, didn't roll over and didn't let them have home field advantage, did they? Well, that's yeah. It's interestingly that uh, Glasgow were unbeaten coming into this round, and now obviously they're beaten by Southern Kings. And after this round, now Ulster remained the uh, unbeaten side. Now they drew, of course, with Cheetahs. And I suppose the point about Cheetahs. 
is that they're at home. So we would expect there would have been a home advantage. Now, also are playing quite well. But like Cheetah's home advantage is quite distinct because their stadium in Bromfontein is at 1,389 metres, if you want to be precise. So even in the game when they were ahead, they were ahead to, uh, up to the very end. Um, the uh, and Spate scored the try. Uh, yeah, and then Burns converted Jet yeah. to make it uh, 39-39. Um, you wouldn't expect that to happen because you would have thought that people would have faded at that point, that uh, the high altitudes basically would tell. And I mean, as I said before, so far Ulster season has gone through the boot of John Cooney. I yeah. mean, three of the first four games of them have ended, obviously Cooney wasn't in this game, but three of the four games so far this season for Ulster have ended with a kick at the stroke of full time. They leave it to the last, all right, yeah. It's a bit exciting, but uh, I mean... <laughs> His replacement, uh, Shannon got the two tries. Um, they were uh, there were assists from Darren Cave, and actually to look at the tries... Uh, when I saw them, I actually thought I was looking at a replay. They were exactly the same sort of format. Just breaks through uh, the centres, left with one man to beat, then passes on to the scrum half. So he did quite well, Shannon, as a replacement to Cooney. So maybe John Cooney isn't sleeping well tonight. Who knows? Well, I think as well, if you look at the statistics, I know we were talking about statistics before, but uh, I think there was 35 broken tackles in that game. I mean, is this a, by virtue of being in the Southern Hemisphere that people forget how to tackle and it's much more free-flowing <laughs> rugby? I mean... It's just it's it beggars belief how many missed tackles were in that game and you you could even tell even in the um, even if briefly going back to the Kings Glasgow game there are so many broken tackles and that's kind of close to the trial line it seemed people were just bashing over because that seemed the most direct line and the easiest way to get over because oh it's only one person that missed tackle you <laughs> well Easy. is it is it mainly uh, Ulster a bit like Glasgow just enjoying Instagram too much just enjoying being yeah, said after too much yeah. having too much of a good time I mean the only other thing to say there that I want, uh, wanted to say was just that uh, Billy Burns was taking the kicks so yeah. uh, obviously uh, Cooney does usually he seemed to do quite well and held his head to level it at the end so fair play to him um, it looks good as a replacement although I think I saw that Cooney's expecting an early return he's not expecting to be out for too long yeah I saw his outrage on uh, on Instagram there with the having to wear a scrum cap the rest of the season I think with that many stitches in your head play it safe yeah well play if that's all safe. that happens sure yeah. you'd be delighted luckily, with luckily but yeah no, I think moving on then um, some of the other results that kind of stood out to me kind of going along with the idea of the home field advantage being important uh, after a very very shaky start Cardiff managed to pull up quite the upset and it, was a, it wasn't exactly a monster team that uh, were sitting down and taking it it was um, you had the big guns coming out for, Mon- for Munster yeah but they, there was a lot of penalties I mean they made a lot of mistakes there was something going on there I mean we're talking I mean the episode is mainly about home advantage uh, versus uh, when it comes uh, in competitions and I suppose Cardiff are one of the great examples of how home advantage will upset what the bookies odds might have been now listen Rugby is famous for the fact that home advantage is very strong, um, so it's not a big shock. No one's writing headlines that Cardiff beat Munster at home, but well, I mean Cardiff did start off the season like without a win. Yes, no, they have not been doing games. well. I mean, yeah. losing to Zebra as well. I think that was they capitulated. <laughs> like, so finally, I mean, coming back and what was interesting about this game in comparison to the other upsets that we would have seen with the Kings, um, it was definitely a case that. Cardiff kept the points ticking over. They didn't run off to a lead early and then, and then hold races, on to yeah. it. Yeah, so I mean, I think it was an interesting uh, seeing how Anscombe came back in this week and really kind of bossed the show. I think that was something that really stood out to me. And once again, tackling wasn't fantastic. Uh, 
but I suppose at the same time, you have Th- to... Thomas Williams, this new yeah. scrum half they have, scored two tries. Now, he's I only started in the, square, uh, in the Welsh squad this year. Um, so mm. around Six Nations, I think he has, has only had two starts. 23-year-old, an academy player from Cardiff, so... Um, sort of homegrown talent I mean the other tries the other big names who fe- featured in, it in the game for uh, Cardiff were Kiwis people like yeah. uh, Willis oh I can't even pronounce it Dan Hallo Had Hodo Hallo Hodo um, Hodor <laughs> <laughs> and Gary Lansker himself is actually uh, originally a Kiwi too yeah. uh, so yeah you know, he was he's certainly a name to look out for uh, he'll be Absolutely. involved in this mix come Six Nations and Autumn International Time for Wales as well. Looking at the 10 uh, merry-go-round that's going on in, in Wales at the moment between, between all those guys there. Yeah, no. And uh, So to move on then from the uh, from the from those guys in red, Munster, who were... Uh, to the boys in blue. Uh, no, no, let's move on to the other... <laughs> let's move on to the other boys in red, the Scarlets. Oh, yeah. I mean, talking about upsets, I mean, we had... Munster would have expected, all things being equal, obviously a team expects that they're going to lose away from time to time, or quite regularly, in fact, in rugby... But all yeah. things being equal, Munster would have expected to win that game. And Scarlets would have expected to beat Connacht. And that was it definitely was not to be. Yeah, I mean, uh, is it too early for... Uh, it probably is too early for Ireland to call themselves the New Zealand of the Northern Hemisphere <laughs> when our... Uh, I mean, not our strongest side um, is still beating the second... Someone would say the second best team in the league. Well, yeah, I suppose the interesting question is, are they now? They're probably not saying that about themselves right no, now. No, true, yeah. true. I mean, uh, yeah, th- they were probably quite happy when uh, they got the they got the result against Leinster at home. But yeah, I mean, if you're going to be a top team, you need to travel. So uh, I, th- I think Connacht played very well. I, I think there was a lot of standout performances in there. Uh, I know there was a, um, on the Scarlet side of the ball, I know Johnny, uh, Johnny McNichol. Johnny McNichol, yeah. Yeah, he had quite a good game. Definitely... Was a was a performance that stood out to me, but on former Connacht Crusaders, used to play for Crusaders. True, true. Uh, well, he was in the wider squad, but yeah. Mm. Um, but I think I think Connacht definitely had some uh, standard performances. Farrell in the centre, uh, and Bundyaki really had a strong pairing. I mean, the, some of the tries. The, it was his first start, of course. Yeah. Yeah, but the, when uh, Aki set up some nice tries and Farrell underneath the post, it was definitely you could see the typical Andy friend free flowing running rugby that was coming yes. uh, that was definitely on show and I think when Ulton Delang came back on as well um, came off the bench he uh, definitely made some impacts there hard running up the middle again so kind of some vintage Ulton Delang but yeah I suppose one of the first things we said in one of the first I said sorry one of the first episodes of the show was you know why the hell hasn't uh, Connacht done well since it won in, they won in 2016 it's the same team effectively yeah. you know take away Henshaw and Lamb I mean, uh, is it not effectively the same team and I suppose I suppose I had to put my hand up and say that like two of those guys who scored uh, there at the weekend Tom Farrell uh, the centre and Keen Keller the winger they're both they both joined in 2016 so these are new talents yeah, uh, sure. these guys weren't involved in the winning, um, uh, the winning campaign in 2016, and so it is an evolving side, and they uh, they are using uh, players with a lot of flair. Now I'm surprised Dan hasn't immediately interrupted to say yes, these players with a lot of flair come from the Lancer Academy. Oh, so I was, I was holding myself back, <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. The truth hurts. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, like, that, I suppose that even Munster and uh, Ulster are benefiting from the excellence to um, academy players now but I, I think it is just something that 
it, once you can breed a certain type of player and really develop that, I think it is it's something that for the nation will be good. <laughs> you know, I was like, give you a chance. Listen, we'll just give you the chance to just very briefly talk about the Leinster Edinburgh game because very of all, of, yeah, well, very briefly because of all the games, that was actually the one that perhaps followed the followed suit the most the follow yeah. form book. Yeah, I mean there was, yeah. the, I mean, I, uh, the game perhaps didn't go all of Leinster's way, but the scoreboard. Uh, was emphatic. Yeah, I, I think this was uh, one of the results that Leinster were always in control, but unlike last week against the Dragons, there was definitely much more of a slow-release Leinster squad. I mean, there was no running off to an immediate lead or all of a sudden at the tail end of the game, the floodgates open. I think it was much more consistent throughout. Um, I, I think there was definitely some things that Leinster needed to take away and work on. Um but as well, I think Edinburgh put in a much stronger performance than one would have anticipated. Um, they they wouldn't have had... Uh, there aren't very many household names in the Edinburgh squad. Yeah, and even Blair Kinghorn wasn't even starting. He didn't even play. Um, I, I'm latching on to okay, the... Not, not a the household team. name, but one of the up-and-comers. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. But um, no, I thought, yeah, just thought that was... Uh, I, I was kind of surprised that Leinster really putting out quite a strong squad. and they didn't They didn't dominate in the same way one would have expected. Um, but I have to give credit to Edinburgh I mean coming off the result that they had last week yeah they won but um, it was 17-10 against Connacht the previous week and it had been 17-0 so I think mm. it's, it's both a sign that maybe Connacht are stronger than we had thought that they were and well, they've just then, beaten Scarlets I mean they're good exactly There's and, then, and then Edinburgh I suppose are strong and maybe the RDS and as we're trying to say in this podcast the home home advantage at the moment is proving to be quite the uh, quite yeah, the yeah okay so just to move on to talk about this uh, idea of home advantage uh, there was only a couple of uh, other games I think we've missed there the Zebra game is it Zebra Dragons um, in which when Dragons does... it was a home game Dragons won yeah uh, and then Ospreys versus Benetton and as you'd expect Ospreys won yeah and two losses there for uh, the Italians on the road. Um, probably improved performance compared to what uh, the competition is used to seeing, but still not necessarily winning uh, away from home each game, obviously. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I mean, I suppose when you're talking about stadiums there, it's interesting. We want to have this kind of broader kind of look at home advantage uh, because it's, it's very emphatically a, call, uh, a causal factor in results uh, in rugby. Now, there are the factors that everybody kind of understands, and we, we're looking at those games, we can kind of pinpoint a few of them. So, like, there's uh, the four main factors would be crowds, um, bias, familiarity, and travel. This is what psychologists say. So, with travel, you've got the problem, obviously, we saw it with Glasgow going to uh, South Africa. Yeah, it's disruption. It's, yeah. It's- and I mean, I mean, we're we're kind of uh, having a go with the players there for updating their Instagram accounts. I mean, worse feels us for even seeing them, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. But there is uh, last year, Cardiff had a terrible experience with the forty-eight hour uh, train, uh, sorry, plane ride to South Africa, missing a flight, and then yeah. all of a sudden they're less than twenty-four hours before the first kickoff. They're there, and I mean, that's inevitably going. And, and in all fairness to them, they nearly won. Yeah, nearly won that time, but uh, but no, yeah. I mean, inevitably, it's disruptive. It's highly disruptive, and especially as yeah. we as we touched on before, especially with the South African teams, it's going to be difficult. But yeah, yeah. But in in general, home field advantage is huge. 
you've yeah. seen it in other sports as well. Uh, then the other one, a familiarity uh, example you could use there is in terms of Connacht. I mean, Jack Carty has been playing. Jack Carty never played. I mean, talking about the other players playing for the Leinster Academy, Jack Carty is he, from either Ross Common or Athlone. He's from the same sort of part of the world as Robbie Henshaw. They don't really know his part. From, I'm sure he knows where he's from. I'm sure Robbie Henshaw knows where he's from. But the rest of us don't. But he basically got uh, his start with Connacht and has always been with Connacht. So that familiarity of knowing the stadium uh, and I suppose knowing how the winds even work in uh, the sports ground. Does anyone as number know? 10. Yeah, well, yeah. I suppose the fa- maybe the fact that you don't know is, is what you know, I suppose, which gives you uh, which gives you the advantage. Then you've got crowd size. Now, crowd size is kind of an interesting one. Um, because if you look at what hap- if you look at those games in South Africa, you have these massive stadiums. Yeah, I mean, even the Kings changed to a smaller stadium this week. Oh, did they? Oh, wow, that didn't come across. Yeah, I, and it's still empty. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was not fantastic. I mean, okay, the Rugby Championship is. I think it's coming to its culmination soon now. But I mean, still, you expect if there's rugby on. If it's a rugby nation, there should be people at the game. No, absolutely, absolutely. And uh, one of the interesting things, now, we're just going to look at a couple of uh, psychology studies. One of the things that came up uh, in terms of uh, fo- football research, now, not, not enough is done in terms of, you, you and I would say, not enough is done in terms of psychology research when it comes to rugby. But, and perhaps there isn't even enough done in terms of sport. But one study that was done is that for football, they discovered that an increased crowd size has an impact on the result, gives you home advantage up to a max of 20,000 people. So beyond 20,000, it actually has no more effect. So 20,000 to a player is considered a big enough amount of people. Yeah. To intimidate you, you actually can't be intimidated any more than that. But another thing that psychologists are always fixating on, which I suppose uh, Edinburgh, um, when they have their games in Murrayfield and Southern Kings and Cheetahs should listen to, <laughs> yeah. is that crowd size does have an impact on your home advantage, yeah. but it's the density that's really important. There okay. has to be a wall of sound somewhere. Yeah, there has yeah. to be this kind of connection of people around one sort of chant or one idea. You can't, the fact... I mean, you could probably spread quite a few people around one of those South African stadiums, yeah, and it still have no atmosphere. Exactly. It, it, like the as we said last week, this, uh, the images of the Australia Kings game is quite sparse. Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, what I just want to sort of very quickly have a look at here, sorry, is just one study that was done to try to figure out what causes home advantage physiologically, mm. what causes home advantage. Mm. Um, among in rugby games, and what was discovered is that basically, the home team um, has higher cortisol and higher testosterone levels than their opponents. So when you arrive in the stadium of your opponent, the home team, they are really, really pumped. And it's not the media, it's not the crowd, it's actually a, a medical condition. <laughs> Effectively, well, it could be uh, a psychologist can gauge it. They basically they take. Uh, saliva samples and check your testosterone and your cortisone they can say that oh wow this guy's testosterone has spiked now that uh, ahead of the away guy so the away guy's testosterone isn't as high as the home guy's so what's interesting I suppose about that is that beyond these other factors that people talk about there is actually that physiological response Um, yep but you're saying as well so in terms of is this a whole team thing is this oh, the person's grown up here, so it, it feels like you're playing for your home team as really someone's coming into your back garden. Or is it like is it across the board? Is it everyone? Well, yeah, okay. So two interesting kind of uh, results they found was, uh, first, that it is actually only has impact on those people selected to start. 
So if you uh, put up the team sheet on a Thursday and the psychologist comes along and checks uh, the saliva uh, of the team on the Friday, they'll find that everybody in the starters list, their testosterone has spiked, but the people who are actually on the bench, it has actually had no impact. Now, they put that, psychologists put that down to disappointment that the people are sitting back saying, oh, wow, I can't believe uh, their, I suppose their system becomes a little suppressed because they can't believe that they weren't picked. Yeah. Now, I think we were also saying that that is probably not going to be the case. And this is pure speculation. It's probably not going to be the case in the higher levels of the game. No, I mean, even if you put Johnny Sexton on the bench, I mean, I think Johnny Sexton has a certain level of preparedness for a game, regardless of if he's starting or not. I suppose you could point to the summer tour and say, well, maybe that's not the case because when he came off the bench in the first test, that didn't go particularly well. I think it could have been something to do with Johnny maybe playing overplaying the ball or something like that and trying to take too much of a control of the game when he came on. Mm. But I, I suppose, yeah, no, it, like there could be players who are on the fringe of starting and then they maybe they get disappointed and they're let down and all that, that goes with it. I just wanted to interject here that this is this home versus away study is by a psychology team called Cunef et al. If you want to stick that into Google, okay. it is there. This isn't just me spouting. I might, <laughs> I might be spouting nonsense, but it's not my nonsense. Yeah, yeah. It's somebody else's nonsense. Uh, one of the other interesting things that... It tro- well, I mean, it's kind of a sideways point, but just for those people who kind of question the existence of uh, home bias is that they discovered, uh, psychologists discovered uh, in their studies that in the Southern Hemisphere, the home team has a 6.7 or 6.27 point advantage built in. So it doesn't matter how good uh, the home team is, or it doesn't actually matter how good the away team is, that statistically over season, the home team has a 7 point spread, 7 point advantage than they ordinarily would have. And on top of this, it's also taken into world rankings as well. I mean, when you're looking at, um, say, New Zealand, when they're in the rugby championship, I think it's very hard for New Zealand to actually gain any world ranking points, especially at the moment with the way the rankings are, because um, they're so far ahead in terms of the world rankings points. And also, when you're at home, it's even more difficult to, to increase that. So... That's why New Zealand, you you would see Ireland getting closer and closer to New Zealand in the world rankings. But essentially, if New Zealand were to get any points from playing home games, they need to be playing Ireland all the time. They don't get any anymore in the rugby championship. So that's quite quite an interesting factor that it is built into rugby uh, international statistics. But it's obviously that doesn't have much of a variation. Yeah, well, I suppose home advantage kind of exists, I suppose the point is that it exists across the spectrum in uh, all sports. And I suppose um, it's just, uh, what's interesting is uh, because it's such a a muscular, I suppose, sport, the fact that these testosterone levels can actually be quantifiable, that you can say that the people are actually having a physiological reaction. That's kind of interesting. But I suppose one of the other interesting things in terms of, uh, there's a physiological reaction. Then I went through, we started off by going through the factors that people know, yeah. you know, like travel, familiarity, the crowd size. But then uh, there's also the bias of the crowd leading to decisions uh, being made. So yeah, I mean, rugby suffers from this hugely, of course, because the TMO. Yeah, but that's, that's we were just at a game there at the weekend where the crowd bayed until the ref went to the TMO. That's very true. And even as uh, Jerry Thornley said in the Irish Times today in an article, he said, uh, if a referee is to go against the home crowd, he better make sure he, has, he still has his car running before he leaves the game. Yeah, I think that's a bit unfair. I think no, many referees it, do go against yeah, the home yeah, crowd. No, but, yeah. but at the same time, it, I suppose part of it is going to be if the, if the sides are close. And I think you have been talking earlier about uh, in soccer how the, the referee yeah. is more likely to give 
uh, a foul against an away team if the away team's the favourite. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So it, that's that's interesting. I suppose soccer okay, fans. You always be... you always get that feeling watching rugby too, though. Well, the fans are a bit different in soccer too, though. So. <laughs> well, true. But, true, but yeah. I think an interesting point of view to take is okay. With soccer fan, soccer uh, refs in general are going to be a certain type. Um, are is it fair to say then that there's going to potentially be a Nigel Owens factor or a Wayne Barnes factor when it comes to rugby? Because we all know how much Nigel likes to be <laughs> refing big games. So you're saying that another sign of home advantage is if you screw up enough that only a spectacular decision can save you. Exactly. Maybe Nigel Owens will provide you <laughs> with that spectacular decision. Well, that would suit Connacht if Leinster were going to be playing. Uh, yes, I suppose this is, uh, we were just talking there about a uh, nice segue, nice segue down. Exactly. Your cortisol levels are obviously yeah. high this evening. Yeah, um, yeah. so that was a nice segue Dan was giving there from how uh, the, uh, if the away team is more likely uh, to be penalised if their favourites going into it, how is that now going to impact? We look at the, use that lens to look at the weekend fixtures. Now, the thing about the weekend fixtures, though, is that we don't have derbies across the board. We only have derbies in Ireland, don't yeah, we? It's great. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's great for us. And I suppose the others are going to be staggered. I think the exactly. weekend after uh, are more derbies, of course. Uh, yeah, well, as happens in Wales every year, they have Judgment Day. So you have the, the whole, um, there's derby games that go on all day and it's based in Millennium Stadium. I'm pretty sure they're doing it again this year. They've done it the last few years. It's proved to be quite successful. But I think, yeah, so that this weekend is just going to be the... Yeah, this weekend is just uh, Connacht, Leinster and therefore Ulster, Munster. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, the interesting thing about this, so this is kind of now having given you the psychology study, mm. now we're going to give you the, well, I'm going to give you the um, breakdown of why these games are happening. Um, yeah. So when the new uh, format of the Pro 14 was introduced, there was, now, see, I know this is true because I Googled an article on this and discovered that I had written the article on this. <laughs> so if you Google the Derby system... <laughs> In the new Pro 14 structure, you will see an article by me. So, so are you saying you you're know the, it's authoritative? You're the world expert on the Derby system in the Pro 14. Absolutely. I'm also the only person who cares, but I'm, <laughs> I'm going to share it with you. Um, the, the old system, uh, every, uh, you had a Derby uh, system where uh, everybody from the same country played each other twice. Which So if you're Leinster, you played... Monster twice. But well, th- th- this in... was the before the conference systems yeah. that were in the Pro 14. Exactly. So when it's still the Pro 12. Yeah, yeah. When it was the Pro 12. So then uh, when it converted back over, um, it led to a disparity in the amount of games that people had to play because you had this conference system. So at the minute only two uh, Welsh teams are in the same conference. Yeah, they will only play each other twice because by the conference rules, you actually play people in the other conference only once. But that wouldn't do for bums on seats, for money, for an interest, and for just the sport generally. I mean, it's the, the fact. That that there could only be one Leinster Munster game a year I don't think people will be happy with that uh, yeah or yeah one uh, and now the leads on to one Edinburgh Glasgow game a year um, yeah so based on this model there would have been only one uh, if you have the conference system of playing somebody in the other conference only once Edinburgh and Glasgow would only play once um, because they want to maintain the uh, structure of derbies and keep bums on seats well they maintained the structure that Edinburgh and Glasgow played twice but the problem is they came up against uh, this issue of numbers because yeah, scheduling errors and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Needs to match up. Yeah. yeah. So in this in this new model, uh, Ulster plays the three other Irish provinces twice, which actually leaves then Edinburgh and Glasgow at loose end yeah. for one weekend. So they play again. It's the same so, with the Italian teams, the same yeah. with the South African teams. 
Yes, exactly. So, yeah. So, I mean, I think you were saying yourself that it actually, I mean, I, I'd be a cynic about it. I'd be like, well, it's, does that not mean that if you're Benetton and Treviso, if Benetton and, sorry, Zebre, uh, sorry, Benetton versus Zebre, you have, that's kind of the gimme few points or Cheetahs versus Southern Kings. You're playing them three times when people in your same conference are only playing them once. That's a, a gimme few points. I mean, I'd be a bit of a cynic about it, but I know you were talking about how you can turn you can turn it into an event like this. Yeah, so that's the thing. So I, th- I think from this season alone, I mean, the starts that both the Italian teams have had, it's definitely improving. I mean, it's giving them a couple of extra points. Maybe you're giving them a bit of extra chance to perhaps get into the playoffs or whatever. That's positive. But I think the one thing that I think the people that could be the biggest advocate of this is essentially now you have a test series for the 1872 Cup. Yes. Which is fantastic. Yeah. yeah. I so mean, the best of three. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think Glasgow definitely benefited, uh, well, not benefited, but they definitely thrived in the league system last year. They were probably, they, yeah, sorry, they were the highest wins uh, of any team in the league. They won the league part of it last year and they're in the playoffs. But at the same time, you had Edinburgh who actually won the 1872 Cup. Yeah, well, that's kind of the interesting thing, isn't it? That um, even when Glasgow were riding high, and let's not say that they're riding low at the yeah. minute. I mean, they could well win the Pro 14 this year. Mm. But when they were winning and were probably better than Leinster, uh, they were still being beaten by Edinburgh from time to time yeah. in these uh, yeah. derbies. I mean, I, I don't, you don't have to get me wrong. Like I, I always remember Edinburgh being... Uh, probably Edinburgh fans wouldn't like me using the term but they were the Leinster's bogey team whenever we'd face them in the uh, in the Champions Cup or the Huntington Cup as it was but uh, and it is now again uh, but uh, that's the thing so I think it, it is interesting to see and I think you could probably look at the cohesiveness maybe uh, of the of Edinburgh because maybe they wouldn't have had as many of the Scottish players so you could have had that cohesion consistent playing week in week out mm. in the same way that you'd yeah, you'd see the chemistry being there. I wouldn't like to say it's like Connacht beating Leinster, but it, like you'd have the rivalry there. Yeah, and yeah. It's an interesting approach. I was I was going to go in the other direction though. I think because yeah. uh, in a game like that, I suppose Glasgow Edinburgh, no matter where they play, yeah, uh, Glasgow's going to be favourites. And what's interesting yeah. is to sort of come back to what we were saying about home advantage exactly. is upsetting the apple cart. Is that yeah. kind of one of the points is sort of missed? So I gave the long psychological explanation about how. Our, uh, the home players' testosterone is up. So does that mean where well, that's where home advantage comes from? No, it just means that their testosterone is up and they're going to probably play better. Um, but there's a big question mark about home advantage about whether or not it's just this self-perpetuating thing. True. So we have, if you have a situation where everybody assumes home advantage and rests their players and because when they're going away, this kind of French model, uh, when you go yeah. away, you expect to lose. And so therefore, uh, you, uh, you basically plan to fail. Yeah, but at the same, okay, like uh, I suppose we're going to be coming at this from two different angles. Uh, if if you're expecting you're not going to win, why re- like why potentially injure your top players when you want to ensure every home game is a win, and then you'll target certain away games. I mean, this is very being very cynical and looking at a strategic yes, point yeah. of view. And okay, fine, I get the fans may not be overwhelmed by this idea or like overwhelmingly for this idea but at the same time you do have to appreciate this is at the end of the day you want to be in contention at the end of the season you're not going to risk Johnny at an away game in Newport uh, against Dragons like you're, you're not going to well I think yeah I think the Johnny example did they not use they didn't use uh, this is Lancer didn't use Johnny Sexton in an away game against Scarlets because they assumed obviously you're against the second best team in the league they'll win that you assume because they've got home advantage Yeah. Uh, but had they actually sent Johnny Sexton they would have won won quite well well I mean was it 13-12 in the end uh, it was close it was close um, but I, I, I think it's just it's 
I wouldn't say that it's necessarily a bad thing. And I know I, I keep on coming back and oh, trying no, to defend these points. It's not to say it's a bad points. thing. It's just to say that you, people can get trapped into assuming it's a fact. When oh, that's in, true. In fact, it's perhaps a constructed like set, a situation. Well, you know? I, I think as soon as the team starts resting players at home because they think, oh, well, we're definitely going to win this, I think that's where it starts <laughs> to become interesting. Well, yeah, I, yeah. In terms of, yeah. In terms of that kind of approach, which is... A more nervous approach, which That's is just collusion, <laughs> <laughs> match fixing. So well, we can't get into that. Yeah, well, you've got better, you've more control over your players and events, yeah. like the basic events you were talking about, like uh, your supporters, like your supporters calling for the TMO and all these things. So perhaps yeah. it's better to rely on them yeah. rather than throw everything you have in the away game that you barely lose. Yeah, true. I think e- even from the perspective of uh, familiarity and being in a familiar situation uh, in terms of your surroundings, it is quite handy that. For instance, we were at the Leinster game this past weekend. James Ryan and Dan Levy both went down. Mm. So to have the familiarity that they just go into the set, the set system and they have to do what they have to do and we know where like, all their normal doctors are around. For instance, um, there there was um, a player that went down in the Scarlets game. Um, in uh, in Scarlets, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Uh, uh, but if, as soon as you're an away team... If you have to get any pain relief, such as injections or uh, even tablets, I think you have it has to be administered by the home team because the way doctor wouldn't be allowed to do that. And clearly, there's no rugby in Spain. You'd want to get injured in Spain. That's yeah. the case, <laughs> wouldn't you? Definitely, absolutely. Uh, but I know I absolutely I absolutely take that on board. I suppose you just need to separate out what is, what is actually uh, what are all causes that are good for you to have at home. Yeah. And what is you just uh, accepting home advantage as a mythical mythical reality? Yeah. Because yeah. it's a bit like uh, people. Uh, there's this thing in the stock market where <laughs> there's yeah. a, where prices. Some people believe the prices are based around the Fibonacci sequence of numbers. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. Nutters are very yeah. active. Yeah. But you can make money betting on the nutters. You can make money betting on the superstition. And that's it's true. Simply yeah. in, with rugby, you're kind of doing the same thing. You're well, betting on the super that the superstition. Will hold, even though you're kind of part of constructing that superstition. Well, part, uh, well, to quote the Big Short, uh, people don't like to think that bad things happen. So you're, yeah, yeah. like I, I think it is definitely the case that you'll have people start to buy into that, and then I think that will over perpetuate itself. I, there has often been the comparison between Pro 14 and the other leagues in Europe, and I think at the moment definitely being compared to the top 14. But uh, the win, I think the win percentages of home teams is similar. But if you look at the uh, the English Premiership, uh, you have sixty one percent of team home teams win. In the as I was saying, the top fourteen, Pro fourteen, it's around seventy five. Mm. So there definitely is that discrepancy there. But I think as there's more of a move towards whether that's a reflection of the English Premiership not being looking after its players enough or maybe they're mm. overworking and maybe they're trying too much for the TV money I think it'll be an interesting one to see but I think that do you think do you think Leinster do you think Leinster should rest some players in count or do you think Ulster are going to Thomond Park do you think Ulster should rest some players to just accept a home advantage and be done with it well, not to put I, you on the spot. I'm I don't know. I'm, it's just, I was actually more of a roundabout way of asking, what do you think the results will be at the weekend? Well, I think uh, I think Leinster has the potential to go over and um, and win in sports grounds, but at the same time, it's, yeah, Connacht looked very convincing against Scarlets. They did. They did very convincing. Yeah, um, they they certainly believe in home advantage. 
And they just needed the Leinster players yeah. to believe it too, and they'll get there. I mean, I mean, they were there at the end of last season. Yeah, what was it? 47, 10? 57, no. 900, uh, yeah. 900 yeah. to 2 or yeah, something, yeah. whatever it was. I mean, uh, John Muldoon's <laughs> final conversion. Mm. I think it, that probably might be still well, under actually, the skin the of some of the guys. I'm quite angry about yeah. that. So I wonder if there's any of that bitterness still uh, stewing inside them. Potentially there is. I mean, Connacht might have gotten very lucky in that sense, and there may be the next version of the Leinster Munster rivalry because of that now. Well, that would be that would be great news for Connacht. Yeah, exactly. Speak, speaking of Munster, Munster Ulster, Ulster are now the unbeaten uh, team in the yeah. competition. And it would not be a headline if they beat Munster. It wouldn't be. And this is the thing that I think I wanted to bring up from the beginning of the uh, sorry from as soon as Les Kiss left Ulster last season Ulster are a good side they were, okay, there's a scandal around them last year that's well known well documented but I think they were only missing one or two pieces John Cooney was their saviour last year and mm. I think they're and they've only got better since they've only gotten yeah. better since and there's, there's more consistency now there and as soon as uh, McFarlane came in he only came in briefly into like before the season actually started so I think they they definitely had a solid base to build from there and they still they have ex-Irish players like Darren Cave as you said he's mm. ex-Irish uh, uh, international well Jordy Murphy obviously is the big Jordy uh, Murphy is the, yeah. yeah new addition there and then you have Stockdale having the breakout season last year they have and fantastic pieces uh, yes and they've got a bit more money I'd imagine when the contracts and the other two guys have expired they, that's exactly. not budgeted for they have that money to spend yeah. and Cooney's fit in incredibly well incredibly well and he's, he's probably the shining beacon I mean if you're a Leinster player or a Connacht player or a Munster player on the fringe if you it, it was an extra option but now they're even at the point where they don't need pity or anything like that I, I just I couldn't get I couldn't get why there was this like kind of no one wanted to be taking over the head coaching role in Ulster. Well, there's a few the uh, yeah, there's a few other like controversies. I suppose John Cooney stayed this ship, but Rin yeah. leaving was also left a bitter taste in lots of people's mouths. Er, er, yeah. Like leaving aside all the other things that happened, and then the fact that Les Kiss was let go, yeah. a lot of people questioned. Well, I mean, what a strange time to let him go. Or is there some suggestion he was implicated in the allegations against the players? No. So yeah. uh, who who can win in the position he was in without number ten? Yet he was let go. So if you're a manager being offered yeah. this, it, it does seem like a bit of a poison chalice. But on, you're right. On the, all the basics are there. On on the PR side of it, yeah, that was a poison chalice. But I think now you're going to be. Uh, Reaping all their awards. And it's Holy Grail yeah, now. Absolutely. <laughs> only, yeah, exactly. Poison Chalice becomes Holy Grail. And you'll only mm. get uh, positive words said about you because exactly. the only way is up. I and mean, people yeah. kind of forget that the season didn't end too badly last year. No, they're still, they're still <laughs> in the Champions Cup. Yes, exactly. But uh, the the accepted line is it was a disaster yeah. last year. So right awful. now they are yeah. playing, they're playing a stormer. Exactly. No. Well, I, uh, as, a, yeah, as a Leinster fan and probably as a live man myself, I'm going to give it to Ulster. I think Ulster could pull it off this this uh, this week. I mean, is is this uh, where is the game being played? As far as Morris Thomond, yeah. Okay, I mean that's going to be a bit uh, home advantage. Yeah, and uh, I mean more so than uh, Munster had before. Thomond is actually home advantage uh, when they looked when they were playing against Ospreys. That was actually in Cork, so that was Musgrave. Um, ah, okay. But yeah, no, I think Thomond is an actual home field advantage. And but. then uh, the other teams, uh, including the Irish teams, will be up for uh, well the Welsh teams anyway will be up for their uh, derbies the weekend after yeah, yeah so yeah. I mean all, all to be revealed now this weekend I hap- I think it's clear to say that in terms of the derbies uh, if Ulster beat Munster Ulster are going to have a great season yeah. if Connacht beat Leinster Connacht are going to have a great season that's all we know let's hope it writes Munster off then <laughs> <laughs> okay I think that's it for this, for this week guys uh, and yeah get watching the rugby and uh, let's all enjoy it talk to you next week 
John Barkley comes up to receive the trophy. This, for the Scarlet's fans, is simply great to watch. They were outplayed in the first half by a Tudor side that picked and win. The 1872 Cup back in Edinburgh hands. They've beaten Glasgow. The first team in 17 attempts to come to Dublin and get a win. How good is that for you? Oh, it's great. All I'm getting at the moment are players shouting, knock on, offside, tackle out the ball. We're in the wrong sport for that. The Zeebo special gets it wide to Earls. And Earls from here means only one thing. The best stadium I've ever played in, the best atmosphere, the, the best supporters. Hopefully one day I'll be back. Should of course apologise to any Munster fans listening. Uh, they'll have something to say about whether Leinster are going to be in the final as the Scarlets come again. Oh, brilliant offload. It's Brady with a stroll in under the sticks. Oh, look, it's, it's been a roller coaster um, here all my life. 47-10. Jeez, I thought I was in dreamland when we won the Pro 12. Phenomenal, phenomenal.